Greetings, greetings, greetings. Thricely greeted. And good day. Thricely also, great. Good day. Doubly good day. Right. Hmm. Doubled. Is that a word? Doubled. It is now. It is now. Coined. You've you've coined it. Welcome to the Chorus. Good. We find ourselves once again recording our podcast with some regularity. Let's Indeed. say we try trying, to, trying to get the momentum up. We find ourselves on a chilly Johannesburg Tuesday morning with some coffee that Bruce has kindly brought with him. Yes. Which we would tell you the brand of, but they haven't sponsored it. So mm-hmm. if you want to sponsor coffee. That is just the easiest way to our hearts, apart from possibly guitars and maybe books. Yeah. But other than those things, coffee. Mm. Um, but anything really that you give us for free, we'll just... Whiskey. We'll just... Wine. Throw your name around. Such liquids. Yes. So do do get in touch. Hmm. Um, that said, let's talk about some other things. What should we start with today? Well, can I say that I, um, since um, posting our most recent podcast, listened to the interview with... Mr. Mitchell. Mr. David Mitchell. And, uh, yeah, sounds like a top bloke. What a lovely, lovely man. It's, um, it's very cool when you when you get people that famous. Yes. Um, who are just that down-to-earth and really lovely folks. And you have brought the copy of Utopia Avenue as you have finished it. And Indeed. I shall now put it on my or in my pile of things to read and look forward to it. I also watched the two recommendations that you gave from last mm. time the netflix documentaries clive davis soundtrack yes. to our life and dolly whatever, and dolly here i am and i thoroughly enjoyed both of them as i was watching the first one i watched clive davis first i thought well this is going to be my favorite and then i watched dolly and while i was watching that i thought well this is my favorite but then afterwards i thought i don't know that i can pick <laughs> but they were um a really really good use of my time which um I'm quite picky about. Yeah, and, and I heartily endorse so both of them. Is it, uh, you mentioned Dolly maybe becoming fake. Dolly's really difficult. I think we mentioned this last time. Dolly is really, really difficult to dislike, which is an amazing thing given her profile and the length of her career. Yeah, she just has never. What I did like about it, having said that, really. yeah, having said that, yeah, it's amazing because she she was. Um, uh, someone who sort of stood up for herself yeah. and said difficult things, but didn't. Um... I think, but I think that's probably the, another thing from the, from that documentary is, as you see, that she's she's always been in control. Absolutely. And, and for a woman at that time in the industry, that's incredible in, in itself. But for an artist with a whatever it is now, fifty year odd, maybe even more year career, um, always been in control. She's controlled her image. She's controlled her music. She's controlled her songwriting. She's controlled her brand. She yeah, again, and now she's got I mean, theme parks and reading yep. programs with Dollywood. a billion books distributed, whatever it is. You know, just phenomenal woman, a big fan. Um, what I really liked about it is that it was quite candid about not a negative thing about her, but the fact that she is um, holds her cards close to her mm. chest in, in in a sense, like no as even close to her yeah. chest as she can get. <laughs> well. Yeah. Even uh, very, very close people in her life, professionally, have never met her husband. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some of her closest friends have never seen her without her full makeup and regalia and wig and everything. And it's quite candid about um, that uh, limit to her, which I found a parallel in something that I'm going to speak about a little bit later, which is a movie that I watched on Netflix... um, 
recently that was made in 2017, um, Bill Nye, The Science Guy, yes, yeah, yeah. which we'll talk about. But there's okay. a nice parallel to Fantastic. that as well. I, I, I had not seen a link between Bill Nye, The Science Guy, and Dolly Parton coming, I must admit. I think that's probably it's, a first in the world of art. It's more in terms right here on the chorus. <laughs> in terms of the uh, <laughs> the filmmaking rather than the personality. Uh, but, don't, yeah. don't ruin my buzz there. Come on. Fine. Man. That's that's a fantastic link there. Right. Okay. I, I I made some notes. Some stuff to talk about. Right. Um, I was watching, and I'll get onto the artists later. But let's let's look at the phenomenon. Sorry. Stuff. Maybe we should just say who we are for those first time listeners. First time listeners. Hello. My name is Bruce Dennell. I'm an I'm an arts writer. Uh, by choice and and job and also an editor and and other things media related um, and a musician and this is my name is Stefan Voss and I am not what those things that you are you are a musician you oh yes true fair enough so uh, <laughs> Bruce and Stefan here with the chorus podcast thank you for joining us um, subscribe on all your favorite platforms write a glowing yes. review speaking, share with your friends speaking of glow I read this morning that the season 4 which was going to be the 4th and final season of the Netflix show Glow yes. has been cancelled because of because apparently of because COVID. of COVID which is deeply distressing to me I'm so sorry my apologies and uh, condolences go out to Mark Maron and uh, Alison Brie and all these people it's not easy. Terrible. It really isn't. Terrible. But we are, we are what a show. thrusting onwards, which sounds rude. Mm. But we, we're doing that anyway. So, yes, as I was saying before, you rudely interrupted with Carry necessary on. things to do. With your agenda. Um, the phenomenon mm. I was talking about. Those, the Tiny Desk concert series on mm. uh, NPR Music on YouTube. Mm. Um, just, uh, you've clearly, by your strange trebly grunt there, I imagine. What's you, been your favorite? You have seen. Well, I, I watched the Jason Isbell. I want to talk about Jason oh. Isbell. Now, but what an amazing we'll, man! Okay, good. We'll get onto that. But just this this concept of for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, NPR Tiny Desk Concert Series. Look it up on YouTube. I'll chirp in with my favorite one while you're doing it. Fantastic Negrito. Fantastic Negrito. Uh, okay. So at the NPR offices, wherever those are, I forget, but it doesn't really matter. They've got a you know an office set up, uh, open plan office, and there's a it's it's actually a fairly big desk, as as Jason Isbell points out in his latest one. It's a big desk, but it's point is Tiny it's a concert. lot smaller it's a lot smaller than a stage yes um and essentially whoever's playing a solo artist or sometimes people bring their entire band and they all shunt themselves in there um and usually a, a very lovely mic that picks up everything beautifully mm. somehow um but yes they've got to do it within the sort of the area inside this l-shaped desk um backed by bookshelves and whatever um and and it's just it's just incredibly intimate and the, there are knowledgeable crowds because it's a it's a public broadcaster yeah. studio or appreciative uh, place audience. of work um, and it's just it's kind of warm and you get to see the the kind of artist and the artistry and you get to really appreciate uh, the songs kind of as they were written because as I say a lot of it is just sort of unplugged stuff sometimes they do bring in uh, folks, um, but it, again, it, then it's usually yeah. I think that's the It's usually more acoustic. It's the, usually yeah. so even if they do bring in a band, like Cheryl Crow brought in a band, um, but bunch of you know several, several acoustic guitars. The and, Tedeschi, and or Tedeschi tracks band is amazing because there's like twelve of them. Yes, and they're all, they're all gathered <laughs> around that desk and, <laughs> and that, it's, that's hanging also from the What's lovely is you see how these guys adapt because you, yeah, sometimes you've got a guy with a double bass. Ben Folds had a piano, obviously, which he nearly killed the poor piano. Um, I watched him live in London, Shepherd's Bush Empire, and he he did the same there. Stood up through the chair at it, all sorts of things. Strange man, but mm. but also very very good. But I just I love 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 the series. It just really 
is wonderful. You were saying about about your favorite. Tell me, Fantastic Negrito is um, very interesting artist. Uh, great guitar player. I would call him a very very contemporary blues based artist. Or certainly there's a there's a strong blues element in his stuff. Uh, he's probably got three or four albums out yep. now. Um, yeah, very very cool. Fantastic man. I recommend it. Um, but again, yeah, do go. Go and spend a little bit of time there because these things are probably what half an hour maybe is the longest one. They're usually between sort of 15, 20 minutes, three, maybe four songs. Okay. Um, and why, yeah, why I was just reminded of it, we, we mentioned Jason Isbell just now, probably my favorite musician in the world at the moment. Um, I just think a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful performer and writer. Um, amazing, amazing songs, very honest, very vulnerable. Um, and at the same time very strong that lovely combination in any creative field where vulnerability and strength are are obvious in the same um, in the same space the same creative space yep. so he's just done one and again now with, with COVID guys are not at the uh, the NPR offices um, they're doing it from home or wherever they might be and he and his wife, who's also a phenomenal musician, yes, she's Amanda just Shire, released a new uh, single. They they're doing it in their barn, um, at their home. So beautiful back background. They've got sort of stained glass windows in the barn, as you do, um, and and they play these these three songs. I think they're all from his new album, uh, Reunions, which is yeah. similarly genius. It's just as good as as everything he's ever done. But um, do you have a favorite song or or a song that you'd recommend first timers go and listen to? Because I will I've definitely gone, say Vampires from I'm going to while while we uh, mumble some more here. I'm going to just look that up because the name's gone out of my head. But um, just this again, this I'm talking about the intimacy of it. There, I mean, they've got an even smaller desk now because <laughs> it's Amanda's work desk and it's full, okay. of, full of junk. Um, and uh, you know, and they've got this beautiful backing, and just really relaxed. He is a, a very strong-minded um, uh, sort of advocate for, oh, I'd, I'd call it common sense. But he's, you know, he does. He's not afraid to get political. Um, and so, you know, one of the things they're doing is staying home all the time. Um, lovely story that he tells about his daughter, and she's somehow she's a tiny toddler. Mm learned to yodel or something she, she, she somehow recorded it on one of their phones or something and asked him to send it to Jewel oh wow so I presume the, the Canadian singer songwriter and he says um, he hasn't sent it because he doesn't want Jewel coming back and saying you can't yodel you don't know what you're doing um, and you know her his, his daughter just having her her life ruined by this harsh industry input so he says you know I want to I want to put myself as a father between my daughter and these harsh industry realities hmm. where yodeling is concerned. So that's the kind of tone that he has. It's just this wonderful, <laughs> bless you, Thank combination you. of of kind of serious insight. Now, um, I don't know if you know this, but Jason okay. Isbell and I have a lot in common oh boy. in the do, sense do tell. that we are gear hounds ah, indeed. when it comes to guitar. You know, he has his own signature Martin guitar, oh. Jason Isbell edition. But he owns... A 1959 Les Paul sunburst called, notoriously known as Spot Dot. (laughs) Okay, so it was a stupid name. I was was being facetious. Which used to belong to a particular musician, and I feel terrible that I don't know this just offhand. But it, uh, what happens with these finishes is they were made in a cherry red sunburst finish, 
and then as they are exposed to sunlight, that fades into this lovely golden sunburst. Like those mugs that you get when you put the coffee well, in and it changes. not quite as quickly as that, but okay. yes. And what happened with this particular Les Paul, and it's not uh, particularly aesthetically pleasing, but the, the price tag was hung on the little um, selector switch. Okay. And as it was sitting in the shop window, the finish faded nicely everywhere except underneath the, the price, price tag. tag so there, there is this very red spot <laughs> above the toggle oh, switch uh, and that's become the sort of nickname the for the guitar this. and, okay, and it's one of those there were only so many made of, uh, in that year and they are the holy grail they're you and know upwards of uh, one million dollars yeah. or something yeah he's also he's just this wonderfully gifted in in the sense that everything he does is incredibly natural now, what I wanted to get your, your take on, what, one of my favorite things and, and why he's a big influence on me as a singer mm-hmm. is that he, he sings at a pitch where he has to push. And yes. And so he gets this wonderful tone, wonderful tone, and he's got a high voice, so it's, it's this really beautiful, uh, just, sorry, to go back to your thing just now, favorite song, Cover Me Up. Okay. Oh my goodness. It's the, just, that is one of those, it's, it's, I must listen to it's that again. almost sure one of those, it. it's kind of almost crying every time listen hmm. to songs it's just it's just the most emotive beautiful beautiful music um his band is called the 400 unit it is it which is. is apparently a famous um uh asylum unit in a <laughs> okay. in a in a new orleans asylum apparently which is yeah the drooly bin at that I was particular just gonna say, time it's it's the sort of music because he does he's quieter numbers he does he, with the 400 unit he does big kind of southern mm. stuff as well but he's quieter folky stuff I mean, and, and this will you'll you'll know how much this means coming from me. I think he's as powerful now in in that sort of frame, musical frame, as James Taylor's stuff was in the, in the seventies. Hmm. It's just monumentally serendipitous that you written. mention him because he was uh, kind of gained some of his track towards where he ends up now. Is he was with the Drive By Truckers? That's correct. Yeah. And I he recently, yeah, I just released a new album. I recently decided to brush up on my drive-by truckers and this week kind of added mm. three or four of their albums to my apple okay library and yeah you know, now we're talking about well. um so again we mentioned his new album reunions mm-hmm. which is well worth very well worth a listen it's again it's another sort of side sidebar here it's just that <clears throat> there are um artists who still write albums yeah and um, i mean with intent they don't just sort of write 11 songs and then whatever it is and then put it out as a collection. They they write an album about a couple of themes or mm. with a mood or whatever it is, and they put that out. Now, Jason Isbell again, a, a uh, quite problematic, you know, serious alcoholic in years past. Okay. And uh, and very honest about that, and and very much on the wagon now with all of the struggles and stuff. So a lot of his stuff comes from that. Um, from that sort of space which is also it's just beautiful because it's you get that it's real honesty and, and deep emotion um, there's the one song it, it, it ain't easy it, um, it it ain't easy but it gets easier kind of thing but it's never going to be easy is his point and it's just oh, so eloquent what lovely, I lovely really really appreciate about him is um, the craft of songwriting is very evident you listen mm. to it and you like go gosh what a turn of phrase what a and the only contemporary that i can think of that has hit me in the same way is um taylor goldsmith from doors who has a couple of his again the folky that's d-a-w-e-s by the way the sort of folky thongs where he slows it down with an acoustic guitar you say folky thongs thongs well 
Those folkies, you don't know. Thong, they, they thong, thong, thong. Come straight from uh, Woodstock and the, the hippie movement. Sorry, um, what Yeah, I think uh, very, very similar in the sense that really, really, you can appreciate the craft of mm. songwriting that's gone in there. Mm. Amazing. I applaud it. So that that is my you must go and watch Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Um, it's it's one of the more recent ones on on NPR Music. Uh, these this tiny desk concert series but do go and just uh, uh, sign up or whatever it is for so um, what's the word subscribe subscribe there we go, there we go. subscribe <coughs> to that to that um, uh, channel on on youtube and allow it to come up and then stop what you're doing allowed. when it does come up allow it umlaut umlaut of the day i, I follow so yeah, yeah. twitter it's just you follow wonderful. Twitter. There's, there's a Berlin, I follow an account called Berlin Typography. Okay. And they have a feature called Umlaut of the Day. And they've gone and found some do. sign in Berlin with a beautiful Motley crew. I, I love that somebody, that's somebody's job. <laughs> uh, just in, in, as we're talking about music, which I guess we can put under the banner of our music feature, mm-hmm. um, of things that I've been listening to lately, Jonathan Wilson, uh, Dixie Blur. Um, I highly recommend uh, the new doors. Good luck with yes, that is whatever cool. is great. Uh, Yonsi or Johnsi, the singer for Sigur Ross, is a new uh, okay. solo album called Shiver. Um, I've been listening to some James Bay EPs, as I said, Drive By Truckers. And for those of you who are as much into guitar as I am, there is a chap in the states called Jeff McElane who. I guess is most well known for his teaching courses on truefire.com, which is an online teaching platform. He's also very, very good friends with uh, Robin Ford, who, mm-hmm. who, if anyone knows about guitar, knows about Robin Ford. And he has his uh, first album, Jeff uh, McElane, called Now, which is really a, um, released as his album, but is really a compilation or a collaboration between him and Robin Ford. So they've okay. each written half of the songs and they uh, feature on all, you know, all of the songs have both of them playing on and it's a guitar album where the instrument is really sort of front and center in the mix they're both great players so i recommend that in terms of what to listen to lovely lovely fantastic next feature right Right, what do you want to talk about well we've done what to listen to maybe we should do what to read what to read okay your turn your turn i've just right so immediately uh, i am very frustrated about this aspect of myself uh, in that when it's I going to be a long segment no when I read a book and I finish <laughs> the book I immediately forget everything about oh, yes. it okay, fair enough. Um, people ask me why I keep all these books in my home I have these bookshelves crammed with books and, and one it's because I love the object as much mm. as what is contained and I love uh, what is symbolized by a book this incredible um, flights of the imagination and other worlds that you go to in your mind but also I like to read books three or four times and even then probably forget what they're about <laughs> so um, I can't tell you what I've read since the last time we spoke I've read a few things but um, I've been wanting to read something um, for a while now and I have a very good friend um, Mila Goldberg who also was excited that I'd finally gotten around to this um, Black Leopard Red Wolf by Marlon James, the author of the Man Booker Prize winning A Brief History of Seven Killings. That sounds fun. So he's written a, what would they call it? Uh, it's volume one of a trilogy, the Dark Star trilogy. It's set in Africa. It has elements of magic realism, of fantasy, of sci-fi. It is very different 
to anything else that I've read. Neil Gaiman on the back has a little blurb where he says, uh, Black Leopard, Leopard Red Wolf is the kind of novel I never realized I was missing until oh, I wow. read it. From, from Neil, that's, that's quite a thing. It's not easy um, in the sense that it is very different. He plays with language. Um, so it's set in Africa. These are African people speaking English, but he's, I don't know if he's, it's not like he's translated it from African languages, okay. but it, uh, the language is, sentence construction is is messed with a lot. So it's difficult to get into the language straight away. Um, it's also very fragmented in terms of jumping um, I don't know if I'm explaining it. It's difficult <laughs> to follow. Like okay. he has, in the beginning of the book, he has a massive thing of all these characters and who they are, to, to I guess to help the reader keep track of what's going on, which okay. I ignore and get lost and Do just you keep it's, reading. It's the, first, it's the first in the trilogy. Yes. So it's the whole establish, establishing a... Yeah, and I don't a, think he's written any of the others of yet. Um, kingdom and, and yeah. world and whatever. Um, it's... Very interesting as well in terms of it's quite violent, it's quite explicit, um, well, Black sexually. Le- Black Leopard Red Wolves, it sounds like the weirdest zoo. Uh, it is a, a magnificent menagerie of... Oh, look at look what you did there. Look at that. How alliterative. Um, so I'm kind of halfway through it at the moment. Um, the butler did it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm enjoying it because it is so different um and i'm still getting you into the you, world you mentioned he was a, a booker prize winner man booker prize winner because something i found recently and again it's been the last sort of three that i've read that have had that on the cover somewhere yes. man booker prize, blah 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 is that and that you mentioned also the the language um issue there and the, and the difficulty of the language and all of those have had that that function either it's, it's, it's English, but it's it's kind of uh, stylized. So like a Cormac McCarthy, there's not yeah, enough yeah. grammar or, or punctuation or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, what one I recently read? read, which like you, I'd forgotten the name of, but it was sodding brilliant. Um, <sighs> forgotten now. But anyway, the 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 language style is very very. Uh, it's deep south, right? Just, uh, before the Civil War, so and all stylized like that. So. I read the first few pages of that book and thought, oh no, is this is this like that old joke when you'll win an Oscar as long as you play a disabled person or, or something like that? Will you be nominated for a booker if you if you set your your you know if you write your book in sort of indecipherable language? Um, fortunately, that one that one picked up and 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 became really superb. But uh, the one before that was also it was set in in the states in the South, um, but much more modern. And was really quite boring, um, right. for six hundred pages. Um, and you, I don't know, maybe that you know, is is that something that you pick a book up for because it says nominated for what or what or something something something, or what what recommends a book to you? Why would you? Why would it jump out at you? Because I have such uh, limited time and finances for books, I. I was mentioning to you earlier, I looked on my wish list online at loot.co.za and there's sort of, uh, in my to read and one to buy, there's sort of 70 books there and you mentioned you've got over 100, 200 mm. or whatever. Um, 
it either comes to me through through word of mouth recommendation or I have authors that are, are tried and true and trusted and I love. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really so far behind. I'm catching up with all their work okay. still. Um, I will every now and then read, you know, the top 10 books of the year and see if there's something that I should look okay. at. When you mentioned um, punctuation and, and difficulty, I remembered a book that I read called Blindness okay. by Portuguese author Saramango, what is his first name or her first name? I don't know. Uh, Jose, Jose Saramango, I'm taking it's a man. Um, and the book is written with just commas for the most part. No. No it full stops. Up, utterly up the tree. And it does take you a little, a few pages to get into how to read that because mm. you don't know when sentences well, it's start. Like, like or, with Cormac McCarthy, it's, which you know, a lot more people will know sort of um, on the road and so on. Um, just his uh, yeah, very famous writer and, and made into movies and uh, No Country for Old Men yes, yes, and all yes, of that. Yes, yes, My favorite, but, Blood but, Meridian. But you, but you read the stuff and you, for the first while you're going, why is it wrong? Why is he wrong? And why are they giving him awards for it? Um, so that's that's a thing. So uh, I will just mention that I came to that, to your question, mm. by reading a book like Catch All Lowest Common Denominator, The Book of Literature. <laughs> which sort of charts the important works. The you book know, of literature. Yes, you no, see them what you in mean, exclusive yes, yeah. books. There's a book of psychology and a book of Shakespeare yes, yes, and a yes, book yes. of which gives you like this the highlights package. package. Yeah, the highlights package. And it just had these are the important works of the lot. That's how I read Half of a Yellow Sun and Blindness. Ah, okay. And there are a few of them that I've really enjoyed. You've mentioned just a couple of things you mentioned put me in mind of a Brazilian film, which I'm just going to recommend and then not tell you any more about because I saw it a hell of a long time ago, but it was superb, called Behind the Sun. Okay. Look that up. Behind the sun. Right. Don't, don't look into the sun. No, because that's uh, but, silly. But behind You'll the sun blind. is okay. Fine. Blindness. Blindness. You can read that. Oh, my goodness. See that segue. Backwards. It's a very interesting What's book. What is a backwards Reminds segue? Reminds me that we just invented that. Uh, segue. A wedgy know. way. I don't know. All right. Just moving on. Yeah. Right. So we're going to London now. Good. In, uh, I love London. The, love you, uh, London. In the 1500s and 1600s. Um, it's, it's, it's a book by Catherine Arnold who's an, uh, an historian, um, and she's a, an a expert historian. On, a historian, I see what you did there, and an uh, expert on Shakespeare. And it's, it's looking at London at the time of uh, the construction and success and otherwise of, uh, of Shakespeare and the Globe Theatre mm. and uh, James Burbage and Globe. the whole bang shoot thing. Um, and really, really good, really, really great to read. Um, Wonderfully well researched, as you would expect. Oh, I can't um, wait. Uh, um, see now, see you've opened a page that says the Upstart Crow. Now there is a BBC um, comedy called Upstart Crow, starring David Mitchell, not the author, <laughs> um, where he plays Shakespeare. And, and that's because this, that's that was his name. Very uh, satirical his, his, and uh, funny in the line. I think it's Ben I'm, Elton. Um, I must look that up. Yes, because this was a nickname for for Shakespeare because he was new on the scene and mm. the established names really didn't like him but um a couple of things i mean just how bloody awful london was at the time mm. for a start um defecating theater, out of the window oh, heavens theater buildings for instance are are didn't exist as a as a thing right um they're based in terms of, of uh, concept on bear baiting rings oh right so they would regularly have bear they baiting rings dig a hole it's urinate not, into not, it not gather a crowd that. and put on a show not, no, yes not only would you have bears fight but when they were injured, you would then take them out and then bring them back uh, to fight with dogs, mastiffs and such. 
Um, and then if they were dead yet and but were blind and stuff, then you would have guys with whips get in and, and all for different you know Bob fees Eric. and stuff. But, but Bruce, going, it was a different time. Oh, good gracious! <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, and so yes, the first theatre, uh, first globe as as we know it, but uh, yeah. built by by James Burbage was was called Theatre, and okay. is the building that we now reference. Oh right, and for then, the concept. Okay. So theatres before that, obviously in Greek and Roman history, interesting uh, were things where you could kill a Christian and, and yes. you know, whatever, uh, bludgeon a lion and such. The gladiators. Um, yeah, this, in terms of what we know, um, is, is, is where a lot of the terminology comes from. Uh, for instance, when the second globe, the first one, uh, they had to move. I yes. can't remember. Was it the leases and the rose and whatever yes. it was called? Um, but the second, the first one to be called the globe, they painted the sky up right on the on the bottom of the yes. roof and so on, so they could use it for part of the uh, performance. Which and is also painted images of the gods, and we think that's ah. where we get sitting up in the gods oh. because it was right up there. All that kind of thing. There's a lot of fascinating Amazing. history. Which is where the one is now. That's where the second no. site. Then that one burned down, and then uh, spoiler okay. alert, third one. Um, All right. Yes, and then the, there is the one now, which is come came obviously much later. That was mm. thirty years ago, forty years ago. Um, but uh, yes, wonderful idea of oh, I want to read how it. history how history uh, how theater history uh, works and and kind of terrifyingly and comfortingly at the same time a lot of overlap in terms of lockdown and the plague and whatever because hmm. the plague keeps popping yes, up the, yes, yes. it's all through Shakespeare's life they had to close the theater yeah. because of the plague um, but also um, disdain and a lack of support from authority and so on and so on and so on it's a lot of it, if you're in the theatre industry here or anywhere in the world at the moment, but um, you read it and you go, oh no, oh hell, this was 500 years ago hmm. and Shakespeare was alive hmm. and they were treating theatre X, Y, Z and now it's 2020 and they're doing the same. So shame on you throughout history, all you bastard leader, you know, ruler of country types um, and, and mayor, mayor, the Lord Mayor and such, but um, a fascinating read. That's Catherine Arnold, Globe, Life in Shakespeare's London. So and it's called Globe, Life in Shakespeare's London. Serendipitous again, because as you may or may not know, I have struggled with insomnia in the recent years. And what I've started doing lately, when I cannot fall asleep, is to put some earphones in and listen to a podcast. Uh, last night I probably got three, three and a half hours sleep managed to listen to about four podcasts, all designed to put me mm -hmm. to sleep, one of which is a podcast I would recommend called In Our Time, okay. hosted by Melvin Bragg and featuring the glitterati of intelligentsia for each subject. <laughs> the glitterati of intelligentsia. And I listened to one last night on Macbeth, ah, which was fascinating to the point where it did can not help that? me sleep. Well, I can because I'm not in a theatre, I'm not doing a show. There we go. The okay. Scottish play. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'm a, a massive Shakespeare fan. This is wonderful because also, if, if you which you have, if you spent any time in London, yes. we both lived there briefly and so on and so on, uh, but you just get a, a real sense of, mm. of the, the personality of the place, which is, uh, I think, putting it very simply, quite complicated um, yeah. and, yeah, rather messy. So, uh, great book, that. Then, uh, closer to home, Tom Eaton. Uh, so uh, Eaton is also in England, though. It is, though. So, let's ignore that comment and carry on where I was. Um, Tom Eaton, the, the well-known um, and in certain sectors much loved and in others not at all because he points out... Reviled. Yes, points out faults. 
uh, Cape Town columnist. Um, I like the way you pronounced columnist with a nice m mm in there. Thank you so much. Reminds like me of, government. of one of Mitch and Cam's friends on Modern Family called Keith. <laughs> Those names. Amazing. <laughs> Those names Keith. are too much. Keith. Um, anyway, Tom Eaton. And it's a, it's a long, uh, long title. It's called Is It Me or Is It Getting Hot in Here? And then mm. a sort of subtitle, Great Expectations and Boiling Frogs in South Africa. Boiling Frogs, obviously the reference to the thing where you put a frog in a pot. Um, and If it's walk, boiling walk, straight walk, away, it'll jump right out. And so on and so But on. if you boil it slowly, it won't know and it'll boil. Which he, uh, a, a myth which he addresses right up front. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's more, it's a collection of essays. Hmm. Um, things that he's he's noticed and, and whatever um, something which was going to publication just before or just the beginning of lockdown or just the beginning of, of the concerns about COVID um, so in some ways which he, he notes in the, in the in the intro kind of almost speaks to <laughs> speaks to a different world you hmm. know, just just 12 months ago 10 months ago um, but what I really like about him and I, I like Tom I, I know him uh, a little bit we've, we've met a few times we get on well um, but what I like about him, whether you agree with him or not as a columnist, and you should, if a, if a columnist is good, you should agree with them some of the time and disagree with them some of the time. Hmm. Otherwise, they're probably doing it wrong. Like Miles but Davis. Indeed. Um, I just agree with him because he scares me, or would have. Would have. Miles. Yes. Ter- terrifying man. But anyway. No. Um, I mean, some albums you like, some you don't, but he's still genius. Yes, and always scary. Um, he, there's obviously, there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of uh, sort of cultural stuff. Um, there is a lot of kind of just look at life and 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 silly attitudes that we all have and sort hmm. of just skewering of them. What I really like about it is is how well backed up his points of view are. So he will say something which might sound outrageous or it might sound contentious or whatever, hmm. um, but he backs it up in a very very funny way um, that is also very smart, but is never it's never smarmy. Nice. You, know, okay. you, you get yeah, a yeah. lot of smart people who are smarmy, and again, a lot of uh, pe- people who hire columnists do that for that reason because they, because they're contentious, because people love to hate them or whatever it might be. Um, here, there's a there's a lot of very scary stuff about uh, our political situation and, and how that affects um, states of the country, but it also it is. Look, unless you're just sort of diametrically opposed to his point of view because you are a supporter of somebody or other, hmm. um, it hmm. is. If if you're going to look at it with an open mind, it's 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 very informative. It does it does give you a, a much better sense of um, where things are um, than a newspaper report, hmm. for instance. Um, very very well written and and very very much worth reading. So excellent. Yeah, as I say, do again. It it is written. It is a book of its time because it's it's a collection of, of essays from the last year or two. So so do get it soon, do read it soon. But uh, I would recommend, and yeah, so that's Tom Eaton. Is it me or is it getting hot in here? Great ex- great expectations and boiling frogs in South Africa. Orange cover. Can't miss it. It's probably on the shelf as you go into your local bookshop. But, please, um, please go into your enjoy local that. bookshop. Please do go into your lo- local bookshop. I said bookshelf, book but I meant bookshop. And if you are a local bookshop and you'd like to sponsor us so that we can just throw your name around willy-nilly, do that as well. Absolutely. And if, yes, first come, first serve, frankly. So if you're the little corner one and you want to now, let me ask obliterate this larger competition. Is it first come, first serve, or first come, first served? Hmm, interesting. It is that. served, I think. Yeah, it is. First yes. come, first served. Yes. Although that Which has... suggests you're looking at it from a sort of third person 
perspective. But in terms of how language changes, um, the way we say that and the more quickly we say that, that ED at the end of serve falls away that and very... Um, sounds like an Americanism. Yeah, first come, first serve. Saving energy. Yeah, it, uh, exactly. Um, in terms of the how language is a living thing, constantly changing, and why we would be quite pedantic about saying it has to be first come, first served, you may find in 20 years' time the expression will change to first come, first serve, and everyone will understand what it means. And we, you and I, will still be moaning about that because yes. of the youth of today. The oh, those Bloody 40-year-olds. Bloody, yes. those saying young it, people. Saying oh, it in, yeah. incorrectly. And, and bothering us thusly. Excellent. Right. We've so that, done, that what are you books. listening to? We've done, what are you reading? Let's do, what are you watching? And I have crack stuff on to then, hold son. forth. Crack on. So this past weekend, I thought I would uh, watch some uh, documentaries that had been on the radar um, and that may be thought-provoking. And I, I think I accomplished that. Now, I want to preface this with a disclaimer that I understand... <laughs> that documentaries, particularly documentaries that deal with something that may be a controversial or a hot topic, uh, documentaries um, serve an agenda. I, I that think I know are, where you're going with this. They are saying something. And, and the best ones will acknowledge that to, to a degree. Yeah. You know, They'll say, listen, we understand this, but, but this is about this yes, part. Yes, we're, we're choosing this, right. is our, this is our angle. So the first one I watched is a new one on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I did know where you were going with that. Yes, carry on. Um, and I found it fascinating. I found it quite quite scary because I think it's um, something that we're, we're living in mm-hmm. that has... It's like, it's like an old man who has sort of a pain in his chest all the time but just lives with it. Yeah. And thinks, oh, I really should get that looked at that's a very good analogy um and it's really sort of um led by a certain gentleman uh who has a very um uh, his name is pronounced so stupidly uh, tristan uh, but it's tristan tristan he's sort of the leader of the thing and he was um an employee at a tech giant and at at some point in all these conversations around their social media thing He asked the question, listen, there are, there are some ethical concerns. ethical concerns here that no one seems to be thinking about, or no one is asking these questions. And this gave, ultimately gave birth to something called uh, his movement or website, Humane Technology, which I've been to the website. I think it's a fantastic idea because the documentary did, did scare me in, in some mm. ways. But um, he seems to be the, the sort of, leader of the thing or it focuses on him but really they interview a number of people that were employed mm. within these tech companies yes. around social Facebook media and Twitter and every, yeah. Google etc yes, and, and um, ask them about are there things that we should be concerned about and there are a couple of things that I just highlight because I don't want to ruin it for you completely um, bits that I really remember mm-hmm. was one of the software engineers that was involved in um, inventing coming up with the like button yes. on Facebook. Yes. Says, you know, Facebook was uh, a social media, in, in that sense, was this online community. Yes. You know, you could look up your old friends. Exactly. And, to, to and actually be yeah. friendly. Yeah. And one of the things that they want to do, I think there were comments that people were making that were hurting people's <clears> feelings, <throat> whatever. So they, they developed that like button with the express purpose of introducing something really positive. positive. Yeah. So they just wanted to say, if you see someone's post, you can like it. I mean, it's yeah. positive. It's and he says, little did we know that 
uh, in a few short years, it would be one of the most destructive and divisive things because there are many particularly highlighted uh, teen and preteen girls whose self-image is based on is how many likes so they get. destructively yeah. uh, affected by how many likes their post gets and they go into um, some statistics about teen and preteen self-harm and suicide now mm. again statistics are very easy to skew and bias for the point yeah. you're making but it's very interesting that they said since the advent of social media and its popularity the figures in teenagers have gone up um for self-harm Time something threes, like yeah. uh, 80% uh, and in suicide whatever but in preteens have gone up like 160% mm. in self-harm and like 300% or yeah, something ridiculous yeah. in in terms of suicide now you can't you know society has also been changing during sure, that sure, time sure. but i think it's very difficult to deny the negative effects of social media that are not being addressed and the second thing that i found very fascinating was uh, they talk about um, the um, erosion and destabilization of democracy mm. through social media. Yes. And they look at um, Myanmar and some other places and also, I mean, the American elections and so on and so forth. Very difficult to deny the power of these tools um, as a force for for negative mm. things. Mm. And again, they, they keep on saying, listen, we acknowledge that there's so much positive stuff about social media and the internet or whatever but this yeah. this documentary what's, is not about that it's what's about interesting also the as, as guys who have designed this stuff who have uh, you know given it to the world and again yeah. it's hopefully with positive intent and, and you know absolutely you know that there would have been uh, a profit driven aspect to it as well you, you're aware of that but they also say how it negatively affects their own lives how yeah. they can't turn it off and so on and, and how they learn to do so that. before I forget I must just say um Something. the the a, a lot of them right at the end they sort of ask them listen what's your attitude towards social media within your family mm. and the one gentleman says um uh not until the kids are in high school he would recommend and he would say 16 is when they should be allowed mm. to get on social media for the first time the other gentleman who was a top ceo in twitter or whatever it was says um it's it's actually um there is zealots in their family okay that none of them use any social media which is quite interesting yes. but um it starts off by saying what do you think is the problem with social media mm. what is the issue and it's very difficult to answer that yeah. question because there's so many things but towards the end i think they answer that question by by asking what do what needs to be done yes. to change that's how they they hone in I'm on, gonna... on a answer yeah, yeah yeah i just need to get this out okay. before i forget squeeze it out there as it were so <laughs> yeah so it points to the real problem yeah is an an economic a systemic economic problem mm-hmm. it's the capitalist economic yes. system yes, that we yes, live in yes, yes. that is the driver for so the only way you're going to change these very very rich mega tech companies from doing this it's not about the fact that these byproducts are negative yeah. it, it is but you, but you can only change it. Enormous money you, can, from it you can only change it by changing that but again, yes, and that ties back into everybody's lives. Absolutely. Which you'll see, ironically, on social media where people are saying, guys, please watch out for your time. Don't be driven, you know, turn off your email after this time. And yeah. don't do that at night. And don't yeah. judge, your, don't value yourself based on your busyness and so on and so on, which is preached on, on social media. 
again ironically i saw this oh, yeah, on, yeah, on saw social it. media a, a guy called glennon doyle i'm not sure what his thing is but that's his name glennon doyle um but i i really it, this really resonated i find myself worrying most that when we hand our children phones we steal their boredom from them mm. which i love i love as a concept as a result we are raising a generation of writers who will never start writing artists who will never start doodling chefs who will never make a mess of the kitchen athletes who will never kick a ball against a wall musicians who will never pick up their aunt's guitar and start strumming hmm. and i hadn't I, I thought of it but i hadn't i hadn't voiced it like that and i really like that um, because I see it in my own life. It, it, again, we, we were the last generation before the internet arrived. It's arrived in our lifetime. Um, and, uh, you know, it, those are things that we, that we did. You can play guitar as well as you can, mm. partly because you were bored yeah. earlier on. Absolutely. Uh, writing is something I did. I've done my whole life. Reading for both of us. We love books. We still love books because we grew up reading books a lot of the time in our downtime. Uh, whereas my daughter, who's a great reader, but might spend a lot more time online, wasting time yeah. because it's available. So, um, so one my, one comment on on the social dilemma for me is that you know I'd, I'd sort of seen a lot of the commentary about oh it's so scary and this and that and the next thing, and for whatever reason I had to watch it in in sort of two segments, uh, just busyness wise. So I, I watched half of it, and that first half I thought oh this is this is very concerning. I came back whenever it was the next day. Watch the second half. Thought, yeah, not so much. Mm. Um, but because it ties into another perspective, which is that you very much determine your social media persona. Absolutely. If you're on there all the time, that's your decision. If you're following people you vehemently disagree with, yeah. that's just stupid. Don't do that. And so on and so on. You you can you can. Uh, well, control. I think the problem is the addiction. Sure. The, the dopamine, you, be, you know, the dopamine, whatever, whatever. It's that. designed. Mm. Like my wife had it and I had a bit of a discussion afterwards where she was like, well, you know, and I said, oh, she said, I don't know if this is working. I mean, on Facebook, I don't see many adverts that seem to be tailored to me. Yeah. And I said to her, it's, it's not about whether you recognize that these guys have cleverly tried to. Yeah, yeah. It's completely down to your screen time. Yes. So if you want to know whether this is affecting you, don't kind of be aware that when you're on Twitter, you might see an advert for yes, something yes. that you like. Be, be aware, aware that of you're on how Twitter and not long, to your exactly how long you're other because that's what the whole thing is. So the one thing that that I and this is why I made this disclaimer. You know, these things are supposed to be alarmist, and I understand that. But um, I acknowledge within myself that really the first thing I do in the morning, the last thing I do at night is is look at my phone, which mm -hmm. I'm not particularly comfortable with. Um, I looked at the website humanetechnology.com with this Tristan and has some Tristan. some lovely you know tips of how to break the addiction or whatever 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 without getting too alarmist about mm -hmm. it. The other thing that concerned me because it seemed a, a bit of a hopeless case and it's the last thing I want to say about this is technology is moving at a pace and we've spoken about this before that is so far outpacing legality and regulation mm, mm. that it is impossible to catch up to sure. which is concerning so yeah. if you develop some technology and now you go to the courts because something terrible has happened and you say we need to get some legislation to regulate this by the time that the regulation passes yeah. you're already 20 years yeah, yeah. too late and there's a myriad of new things that you need to be and again, worrying yeah, about. It is that thing. I mean, I have a, a, a blog, participate, Um where 
you know, I, I have some software on there to 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 protect from spam. And I'm I, again, I'm not a massive operator by any stretch of the imagination. I, I get millions of, of yeah. spam attacks, which fortunately the software uh, takes care of. But and from again, it, it gives you a little chart every now and then, and they're from random places all over the world. So there are people sitting there, you know, sending whatever little viruses yeah. and worms and things to to come and 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 crack your access your stuff mm. the um, last yeah, yeah and, the, and get your data when I spoke about the destabilization of uh, democracy the very very concerning thing other than the fact that I have a daughter and I'm concerned about her sense of mm. self and self image which is a concern uh, is fake news yes and fake news really concerns me because I know people that I'm close to that I can see of victims of fake news and I cannot convince them of that because they like they say in the movie there's you know six billion um, processing powers of things on the other side of their screen you know finding every tiny little chink in in their reception that over the last five years have slowly 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 brainwashed them to believe things that are fake mm. and i've you know been sent whatsapp videos uh to make me oh think about this yeah, which are yeah. completely conspiracy hogwash. theory yeah. hogwash no, developed. Agree, that, that, so that very is, scary that, that is, is very very scary. very scariest thing as you say when it's when it affects well people because again i'm i'm stroppy and questioning and cynical and a journalist so that that is my mindset so it's a different approach but if it's if it is yes, somebody particularly in my family, older people exactly. If it is my parents or something, they haven't grown who, up with who that. Who are saying, "Well, we sent this video, and it says there's an attack on the road, and you're going I've just literally driven past there. There's not there's, there's not nobody standing there. Oh, but um, etc. etc. Yeah. Anyway, moving on from that, let's uh, for for some light relief. Okay, I've got two other things I need to oh, talk okay. about about well, what I've watched. Turn, so shut up. Okay. Um, my turn. Go ahead. What <laughs> and, else have and you again, watched? And again, I literally I watched this yesterday in a sitting, and it's it's absolutely sodding ridiculous for. Which and and not for kids, uh, John Wick Chapter Three. Oh, I've also watched Parabellum. This. Fantastic! Um, on so Showmax, much violence, so many killings, such ridiculous levels of violence and killings. So many and, deaths. And again, if you can hear the tone of our voice, why are we saying it like that? Because it's just remarkably stupid, um, and for that reason, quite entertaining. Yeah. Um, again, the, the whole, the whole, uh, the whole whatever premise, premise. But the, I mean, the whole series of films, yeah. three movies later, is based on it. it John Wick is played by Keanu Reeves. He's an he's an assassin. He's he's essentially part of a, a union of assassins who don't like it when people break the rules and so on and so yeah. on and so on. But somebody hurt the premise is somebody hurts his dog and he gets angry in the first and one, he kills yeah, everybody. He kills the dog. And now we're, we're now we in chapter three and it's essentially the same thing. It's just more people are getting killed because this happened and that happened in earlier chapters. Um, I look. I mean, it would be fun to to actually go back and pause and see how many do statistics on the thing. What the body count is, how many punches are thrown, how many bullets. The body count take. is it insane. It is utterly ridiculous. There is no real plot. Uh, somebody, you know, essentially the uh, the the yeah, the board is is angry with a CEO further down the line, um, and the CEO has endorsed uh, a worker. In this case, a terrifying assassin. But essentially, yeah, it's a little corporate vibe where lots of people die um, with lots of darkness and and bright lights and very odd sets. That whole building at the end is quite weird. Yeah. Um, and uh, swords and guns and um, 
Yeah, it's uh, amazing. The first one is is set up. It's kind of an eighties trope where, where there's a hero who undergoes an incredible tragedy at the hands of the yes. bad guys. You know, his wife has died, and the, the dog is the only thing that reminds him of his wife. Then some guy comes and kills his dog, and, yeah. and then eventually it sort of builds up to this sort of finale last twenty minutes where he just kicks butt. Yeah. The third movie, within just, the first two minutes, no, he started but, killing people, and it just keeps going and all the way through. In a way that guarantees that there will be further butts to be kicked yeah. another day. So yeah, he John John Wick, Chapter Three, Parabellum, utterly ridiculous. Uh, so Keanu Reeves dead. still runs in a very odd way. Such he doesn't pigeon toed. Doesn't run Phil and Ted. I haven't seen the new um, one. I wonder what it's like. Uh, you know, uh, Tom Cruise is always running in his movies, but he has good style. Knees yeah. up. You know, good arm action. His hair flapping. Keanu Reeves, I think, is Keanu Reeves is like pigeon toed. Yeah, and his one foot is trying to stand on his other foot constantly. If if he was if he was starring in a movie in the fifties, running like that, his name would be I f- Igor. I feel like we're making fun of someone who like has scoliosis or something. I, he can't help it. I Again, mean, look, it's terrible. Maybe case, they should always. Film him from the he's waist a, up he's when a he's running. Brutal assassin with scoliosis, so he can probably take care of it. Uh, he enough. might come in the door any moment. But yeah, so that's very, very silly. Again, please don't let your children watch it. However silly the premise is, there are just too many. He's just launched his, falling his own and, comic. And I think it's called so Berserker. It's Keone. spelled Berserker. Yeah, Keanu's. He's an interesting guy. I saw, I saw something the other day of, of him saying uh, just in an interview, and um, I've interviewed guys. In, actually, I've interviewed him. In, in these in these junkets um, and they're terrible these junkets they're awful things to be involved in terribly boring but um, he was saying uh, he's, he's at a point in his life where he just literally doesn't want to pick a fight with anybody as a person clearly not as a character um, so he says if you tell me that 1 plus 1 equals 5 I say you're absolutely right have a good day and I just, I just thought that's, that's quite a cool place to be in as, as a person even if he's if he's not there on screen now who, I'm going to let you who do who is bit. the Asian comedian uh, Wong. Uh, From which film? Where? How? What are we talking uh, about? She's a, a contemporary Ali Wong. Ali Wong, um, Asian comedian, um, made a great sort of um, always be my maybe with Park. What's his name? Uh, also an <laughs> Asian guy. Um, really, really sweet rom com movie. Okay. And in the movie, she they're sort of childhood sweethearts who then grow apart. But in the movie. They're sort of reconnecting where she, when she finds a new boyfriend and she invites him and his kind of girlfriend of the time to go to this restaurant and they arrive there and she's like, here he comes, here he comes. And it's Keanu Reeves playing himself <laughs> but making like ridiculous picking fights oh, and, and he's very, very good. Anyway, the, the other thing that I watched was David Attenborough, A Life on yes, Our Planet. Yes, Which is what he, uh, he calls his witness statement. Okay. So his life as a naturalist mm-hmm. and the what's happening now with the the global crisis some people believe in, uh, he's certainly an advocate for it of, of global warming yeah, yeah. and climate change. Yeah. So he, he really, he goes through his life and everything that he's seen in the last 50, 60, whatever it is, years as a naturalist and the changing planet. And he says, we have this massive problem that I mean, it's quite alarming. At one point, he says, "Well, if this, if we carry on in the trajectory that we're on at, in twenty thirty, this is what we can expect in twenty forty. This is what oh, it can no. do okay. twenty fifty, and then at the end, he says, but this is what we can do to to change it. We need to go to get on with it.' Yeah. Um, but but again, it's quite a alarming thing for future generations that it looks, excuse me, very very bleak in terms of um, climate change, mm-hmm. um, global warming." 
if something is not done, he talks about two things. He talks about biodiversity in the mm-hmm. natural yep. world and how it is in humankind's nature, um, um, in our interest to protect to nature. It, yeah. Because the more stable we can keep the natural world, the more stable our life can be of with course, seasons yeah. and predictability in terms of farming and all these sorts of things. Everything has its role. And he says every 100, 100 million years or so, there's this extinction e- event and the predominant species is wiped out. And he says, well, we're very much headed towards the next one and we're the ones that are, are not going to survive. He yeah. says the natural world will will shut down and come back in a new way, but we will be gone. So it's quite a... Hopefully after Christmas. Well, Probably. Yes. Oh, don't even mention Christmas. I'm desperate to go and visit family in Cape Town Christmas, and I'm very scared that we'll be in the next yeah. stages of lockdown again, the way things are going. Anyway, um, so David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet, I recommend it. It's beautiful, natural stuff, but mm. also points out some very alarming things. Which brings me to the last thing I want to talk about, which I mentioned before, was Bill Nye, the science guy. Ah, yes, which is Parkinson's friend. Which is also... Um, about his recent um, spotlight, limelight, about climate change. He's become an advocate for talking about climate change. It's it's about his life and growing up and uh, what he, where he's come from and what he's up to now. But it's also quite candid uh, in terms of his uh, putting his foot wrong, um, the negative effects that fame... Okay. has had on him as an inv- individual um very interesting how he's he, he hasn't had intimate relationships yeah. um he's also had illness in his family that he hasn't wanted to pass it's on. so interesting i mean he's not as big a deal here as he is in the states obviously but again those people who do know bill nye science he's not a celebrity in the sort of heat magazine sense you know no. so obviously very famous but He's a scientist in, 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 as well. We don't think of, I mean, he's not as famous as, as David Attenborough as a scientist. But it's, we just don't think of those people as celebrities, but they still must be uh, yeah, affected in, by fame. In America, he, he was very much a celebrity during mm-hmm. the Bull Nye, the science guy, and now has, has resurfaced as a celebrity. And they say that plays into some of the things he's done because he really enjoys fame and being mm-hmm. a celebrity. For instance, he agreed to debate a creationist now this is very much an american thing yes, yeah, of yeah. the fundamentalist religious creationist the guy called australian guy living in america called ken ham who has embraced the american thing and opened a theme park about creation Gracious. and built an ark and all okay. kinds of stuff and is a, a vehement denier of any kind of evolution okay um and bull and i agreed to debate him and uh, Ken Ham wanted to build this a massive creationist theme park but really didn't have too much in way of funds until Bill Nye agreed to debate him and there was a massive um, televised debate and it gave credence or credibility to mm-hmm. Ken Ham because there was a scientist that was actually prepared oh, to debate okay. him on yes. it. and suddenly, okay. suddenly millions came in and he was oh, able no. to build, right. build this park but um it's fascinating in that sense. I think it really does uh, bring in the fact that science, as we know it, is very, very much in the camp that we, we need to be careful because even though our planet does go through climate cycles, um, in the last 100 million years, 
we've never ever been hotter than in the last 50 years yeah. or you know suddenly things have gotten far more extreme than they have in in millions and millions of years ken ham will tell you the earth is only 6000 years old um, and i think that's a point of contention between the two of them there is a fascinating and without coming down on either side of this because i don't want to offend people but it was interesting to me what you've spoken about in terms of keeping an open mind and people who right at the end of their debate they the there's a guy from cnn who's the moderator who says he puts a question first to ken ham the creationist and then to bill nine he says <laughs> very fantastic question he says what could change your mind mm. and ken ham goes well i believe what i believe because i believe from a faith point of view yeah so there's nothing you could tell me that would change my mind. I believe in the Bible and yeah, I believe yeah. the Bible means this. And you can't you could come to me with absolute incontrovertible yeah. no questions about it evidence and I would not believe it. I'd say, Well, give me twenty years to work out why I think you're wrong. Okay. And then they put the question to Bill Nine, he says, Well, you just have to give me one piece of incontrovertible evidence and I will change my mind immediately. Yeah. And that was a very telling moment in terms of an ideological... Yes, versus um, an intellectual... Versus a rational intellectual, yeah. which which I think points to the fact that Bill Nye should never have debated him for that very reason. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it actually backfired. Um, and he, you know, it's quite <laughs> candid about that. But then towards the end, they talk about Carl Sagan's idea of a solar sail, which is a spacecraft that is powered by the sun mm, mm. and it's a massive foil yes, sail yes. that opens up and they've sent the first one failed back in the day Carl Sagan after his death his wife tried to do it and it failed but now Bill Nye uh, oh, uh, wow. through uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and this particular society has sent up a second one and it is now orbiting the earth and um, it is quite an amazing thing but uh, I think the the movie is about science but also about controversy and, and about a very interesting also, yeah, because again what people so often forget is that Science is human as well. As is history, we talked about the, 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 the Globe book earlier yeah. and theatre and so on. There's, it's always driven by human need or human interest or human despair or human something. Um, and it's such a... The humanity. That was me. That was dramatic. Um, right. We need to close off, I guess. Oh, um, the humanity. Now, and circling back to what we're listening to. Yes. Exciting news. Exciting news. 9th of uh, October... Uh, releasing my new single i thought it was the day the 6th of october no no it is the very verily the 9th of october. well now we've told you what day it is yes i don't know if you're um, supposed to do that on oh, a who knows, podcast it's ours so shut up um am i yes. then to understand this podcast will only be released on the 9th that, that could happen as well so I it think could be today be. either way 9th of october if you're listening to this in 40 years time on the 9th of october it 2020 was yes um, it's a song called Dreamed You Different. And who is the artist? That is me. Ah! This is verily my own We are in single. the presence of greatness. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a song, I think, uh, I'm wondering if, if, if lockdown songs are a new genre now, and I think they probably are. Um, a lot of, because of the sort of th- thought processes that you, you come across during lockdown, which we've never had a chance to think before. Love in the time um, of cholera, songs in the stuff. time of pandemic. Yes. COVID. Correct, something like that, and uh, we, you know, you start thinking about other people, and and you, you have images of them and, and perceptions of them, but you you haven't seen them for months and months, hmm. um, and that's kind of the, the basic thing. Dreamed you different, um, you know. When I when I saw you, it was it was something else, or 
uh, just that, that kind of battle of perceptions there. Um, and then I wanted it to, uh, the Jayhawks have been a, a huge ah, yes. influence on me. I'm a massive Who's fan the man? of Jayhawks. Mark Olson That's was one of the founders, um, and Gary Lewis the other. Gary's still there. Mark is not. Um, but uh, so yeah, I, I, I took a, took a note from from their arrangement style, dual lead vocals, and so on. Um, some piano. Who is um, singing the other vocal? Me as well. Okay, the, you wonder, are, the wonders of. Are you harmonizing or you're singing with it yourself? Is, um, it's, it's, it's responsing. No, it's it's kind of uh, it's what they what they've sort of pioneered. I don't know if they have pioneered it, but they certainly uh, inextricably it. intertwined. Yes, it's two it's two melody lines, um, oh. and they they do harmonize, but um, it's essentially it's it's this lovely idea where you have got these two things going on, and yes, dreamed you different. It'll be or well, it is available. Um, for pre-ad and all of that already um, and on Spotify, on Apple Music, on Tidal, on Deezer, on all of those good things. So please do go and check it out. Bruce Denil, D-E-N-N-I-L-L for the spelling. Bruce Denil, and it's the new song is called "Dreamed You Different." And are we going to play it right now? We're going on to verily say goodbye, and then we will press play upon the tape recorder. Upon it, and, and we're going uh, to cast the pod with exclusive first listen what what of the song so hope you enjoy thank you for listening to us rabbit on about lovely lovely things to read and listen to and watch we do hope that you will go and read and listen to and watch as well now Um, bruce how can people interact with us with regards to this that is a fine fine question because we really really are bad at that um, and let's maybe because it's the only thing they I can, can think tweet of right us now. on they the can, twitter they can tweet us the um, the chorus 9 the, the numeral nine. 9 that is correct and then they can send us a tweet uh, there we go or they can email us and on do the you email. remember that because uh, I it don't. is a Gmail email. <laughs> Which is terrible. Um, um, have you not checked it? People have been asking us I questions. Have, I haven't for a couple of weeks, and that's the problem. So sure. I'll go and check that later today. I'm just going to say no right now, and thank you for that embarrassing moment there. So um, I don't even know how they would email us at either. At the Chorus 9 on Twitter. Just yeah. get us there for now. Tweet us at for now. At the Chorus 9, the number 9, number 9, um, and uh, check us out there. Um, or comment on... on on all of those yes, other those listening platforms. platforms as well. So subscribe, we'll get hold of you. review us. Um, and tell us still, what you'd like us to talk yeah. about, all those good things. Tell us how you're desperate for us to monetize this with a merch store so you can have the chorus mug, the yes, chorus t-shirt, the chorus cap. And uh, people, seriously, people who, if you want your brand bandied around all over the place, shamelessly. Brand bandying? Brand bandying we will oh, do brand for small brand, amounts of friend. cash. So just come and come and, and give us some ideas, and uh, we'll we'll ch- chat about that as well. But for now, Fantastic. playing out with "Dreamed You Different" uh, available all, all over the listening sphere, and uh, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you've enjoyed the rest of the show. Thanks, Steph. Bye bye, everybody. Bye See you next time. by the noise Challenge me to truth or dare At least I know I'll fail with flair Put me on the back foot Lose my poise This wasn't in the script I dreamed you different I'd hoped to hear your soul And all the songs you sang for me 
happy This wasn't in the script I dreamed you different And hoped to hear your soul And all the songs you sang for me Wasn't on the cards To cross this distance Towards a faint mirage That shimmers just beyond my Wasn't in the script I dreamed you 